busy in the back, and it's uh, working out if I would remember everything. But uh, we're looking at the message today that I was thinking of that God had spoken to me. And at first, when I put it all together, it didn't make sense. Now it does, and that's wonderful when it does. But the title that came to me after reading the quote is, Our Prayers Can Go Where We Cannot. Our prayers can go where we can not. It was interesting that many of us heard the story years ago about Brother Andrew and how he would go in behind the Iron Curtain and smuggle in Bibles and all kinds of things. But he was the one who made this quote, Our prayers can go where we cannot. There are no borders, no prison walls, no doors that are closed to us when we pray. And so we begin to realize how important prayer has always been to world missions. And today, you know, it's not November 5th. <laughs> November 5th is that one Sunday a year that people talk about the persecuted church and how Christians are facing persecution. And, uh, you know, we're, we're realizing that it's on the rise in many parts of the world. And it's been exasperated by the pandemic. Uh, we've seen the takeover the, by the Taliban in Afghanistan, the war in Ukraine, the global refugee crisis, and we could go and spend a lot of time discussing that, but uh, that's just some things among many other factors. And so we don't want to just think about it on November 5th, that uh, praying for the persecuted church is something we should be doing on a regular basis. Many Christians in the West are not aware today, as we sit here in this comfort, that Christians today around the globe, that they are going, they are insulted, isolated, humiliated, discriminated, arrested, beaten, tortured, burned, or killed for their faith. And so we can often say, well, what can I do? I'm so far away, what can I do? And of course, giving, that's what this Sunday is about, but prayer... Prayer is one of the first things we can do for the advancement of the kingdom, and especially for those who are facing persecution today. It was Paul in prison who said in, in to the church of Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You know, I think we kind of lose sight when we read God's word about how the early church was persecuted. Jesus himself suffered and died. And then we see the early church. You know, we see Peter and John, our passage today, imprisoned. And we see later imprisoned again. And we see the Apostle Paul here, prison, in prison, solely for preaching the gospel. For no other reason than that. And somehow we get so far removed from this that we lose sight that this is indeed a part of the gospel many times. Let's have to see today. See, it would be wrong to think that Christian persecution is so far from us who live in the West. We too must take up the responsibility of praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters and give God the thanks that we're not going through. Like they are today. This is exactly how the early church responded. When they noticed that persecution was going on. Not our passage that was read today. But even later in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 12 verse 5. It says. While Peter was kept in prison. The church prayed fervently to God for him. 
I want you to stand with me, and we're going to say a prayer together for the persecuted church. And the next slide will be a prayer for Nazarene missionaries. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for my Christian brothers and sisters in nations like North Korea, Somalia, and Yemen, and many other nations where they are experiencing discrimination, persecution, and danger because they follow you. Look upon the threats of those who persecute them and grant your servants strength, protection, and boldness as they speak your word. Let's pray again. Jesus, I also pray for our Nazarene missionaries working in countries of creative access, limited access, or closed countries. Countries where it is not possible for a foreign missionary to get a visa. Countries where church activities are greatly restricted and it is even dangerous to worship you, Lord. Look upon the threats of those who persecute them and grant your servants strength, protection, and boldness as they speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. I thought, you know, we talked about it. Let's do it. You see, these are good words to pray. You know, we, we, we go through all kinds of battles and struggles, don't we? And, uh, you know, it's, it, these, these are so good words to pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Do you realize that today, that, that that's that, what the early church did, that verse 29 of what Pastor Daly read? Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. But you know, there are battles going on. We, we don't want to neglect the fact that whether we are persecuted or not, like they are, there's always battles. We always are facing battles. See, I want you to realize today that uh, if you're going to preach the name of Jesus... If you're going to share the gospel, if you're going to talk about his death, his suffering, and his resurrection, you need to be prepared for the fact that you will face a battle. Did you hear me? I'm not getting too many amens. We face battles as well in the West. Official authorities, spirit of the age, sometimes dark powers. Whenever you speak about Jesus, his cross his resurrection, my friends, you need to realize that there is an enemy that is out. There is someone who is wanting to prevent and using the authorities or using things around or maybe even individuals in your school, wherever you might be, there will be people around who's going to want to thwart and stop the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's battles within our government, community organizations, Dare we say our schools? We've been hearing a lot about it. But there are also battles with forces and powers. And the Apostle Paul told us about that, didn't he? He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And what? Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My friends, if you're going to share the gospel... If you're going to sit down and tell somebody about Jesus, you need to realize there's a battle. There's a battle. Let's get our head out of the sand. Let's be realistic about this. That there's, there, is a, there are spiritual forces that do not want you changing.
the destinies of lives of people. Don't be surprised that when you're starting to pray for the lost, you have a battle to get on your knees and pray. Oh, the phone will ring, or something will come across your mind, or there'll be some kind of distraction to prevent you from praying for the lost, to prevent you from praying for the kingdom, or praying for a missionary. Because it's God's work that we're involved in when we do that. Now, sometimes the battle is internal. Some of us have our own struggles whenever we try to do those kinds of things that we will face internal battles. But what do we do as a church of Jesus when we face these battles? When we face these battles that we're seeing now around us? I, I love what I said. Let's look at this church in the book of Acts that said these words, and they're very powerful. Say them with me. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's faith. <laughs> Isn't it? That's faith. That's where this statement of, of Brother Andrew, our prayers can go where we cannot. There are no borders, no prison walls, no doors that are closed to us when we pray. Now here's a side note. Years ago, Pastor Mike was sharing that. Years ago, we had the issue where prayer was not allowed in the schools anymore. And people would say to me, oh, Pastor, isn't it terrible? You know, people can't pray in the schools anymore. And, and we were like, nobody can stop any of our young people from praying. Now maybe it's not a formal classroom given over to prayer. But nobody can stop me from praying at work or in the bakery or in a store or in school. You see, my prayers can go places. <laughs> Your prayers can go places. Nobody can stop us from praying. Sometimes we want to get involved in these battles. And as we get involved in these battles, we're so concerned about the right thing, yet we would never take time to pray for our schools. So we're more concerned about, well, prayer is not allowed in schools anymore. Pastor, isn't that terrible? But we would never pray for our schools. See, that, that's the enemy. <laughs> Get you off on some tangent that you're not doing what he's calling you to do. Through his Holy Spirit. You know, our passage today, you have to back up a little bit into the beginning of chapter 4. And so in the beginning of chapter 4, this is exciting. I love hearing this. Uh, this part, Peter and John were preaching about Jesus, and it says in the book of Acts that almost 5,000 people came to the Lord. Can you imagine? <coughs> Wouldn't that be something? I don't think there's 5,000 in West Prince. We're 4,000 something in West Prince, by the way. A uh, certain weight, I think, down to a weary up. It's 4,000 something. And, and, and 5,000, around 5,000, they said, oh, well, 5,000 came to the Lord. You know, they're preaching. And that's amazing when you see that. Guess what happens right after 5,000 come to the Lord? Well, the authorities, the Jewish authorities don't like that because it says in God's word in Acts 4 that they were preaching about his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection. See, they tried to crucify him. They tried to snuff out the message. They tried to destroy him. And these are eyewitnesses going around and said, hey, we've seen him rise from the dead. He is alive. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. Well, the Jewish authorities don't like that, and they surely don't like the fact that 5,000 are converting to Christianity. So what are they going to do? They're going to take these men, and they're going to arrest them. And so the beginning of our chapter, these two men of God, Peter and John, did you hear that? These two men of God 
See, sometimes we think if somebody is doing God's work or is a man of God, then everything is just wonderful. <laughs> These two men of God end up arrested and spend the night in prison. And they're told not to speak. And then we're told that they then were released the next morning. And this is interesting what Peter and John is saying to them. I love this statement. Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now that's another whole, they could preach that. That's another whole different sermon. But notice the two of them doesn't say, Whoa, whoa, whoa was us. See, our passage now has happened when they have showed up at the friends and they're telling the friends about what's happened. We just spent the night in prison. And, you know, like, yeah, it's great. We've got 5,000 people to disciple, but we just spent the night in prison, folks. And they're making threats. So you know what? There's going to be difficulty and we're probably going to start facing troubles for sharing the gospel. And so in the midst of this, they hear these threats. And yet, when they hear these threats, they say, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Yeah. It's not, woe is us. It's not, oh, the sky is falling. Oh, isn't it terrible? Did you notice that? They didn't do that. They ran to prayer. They ran to God. And they asked for his power and strength. They had, these believers had conviction, and therefore they also received strength from God. And so we see the conviction of the power of God. My friends, in the face of the battles that we face, God wants us to be convicted again of who we serve and who our God is. He is sovereign. He is creator. He is the sustainer of all things. And I like what Martin Luther, the great reformer, one time he was threatened. Have you ever had the opportunity to watch? You know, our Protestant faith has come from Martin Luther and the Reformation. If you ever had a chance to watch a video of his life and what he went through for you to have the faith that you have today. But Martin Luther, the reformer, was threatened and his enemies... They kept persisting and trying to stop his reformation. And they, and they said to him, well, you know what's going to happen, Martin Luther? Eventually, all of your supporters are going to desert you. So where will you be then, Martin Luther? Martin Luther responded, then is now, in the hands of God. See, my friends, God is sovereign. He's still in control. These believers were convicted that there are those more for us than those against us. And our God is in control. They were convicted of God's power, but that also means they were convicted of the powerlessness of man. They, they, they were convicted that these threats were powerless. People can always make all kinds of threats against Christ and his followers and the church. But the kingdom of God will continue to march forward. Hallelujah. It's been marching forward for 2,000 years. Like Pastor Mike and I have been saying this over and over again. Oh, the pandemic. Oh, the church is dying. Oh, oh. Listen, my friends. The church is triumphant. It has marched forward for over 2,000 years in persecuted countries behind iron curtains. The church of Jesus Christ will triumph on. Let them make 
threats. They're powerless. They were convicted by Jesus' example. They knew the Lord. They knew how the Lord suffered. Many of these guys were eyewitnesses to the reality of the suffering that the Lord went through. But they were also eyewitnesses to the glorious resurrection in that empty tomb. And got to see his glorified God. And so they knew that suffering might last for the night or the day. But joy will come in the morning. And so they knew by following Jesus' example, by being true to what God was calling them to do and to say and to be, there was a future resurrection. There was a triumph for everyone, and it was coming. I like what the Apostle Paul says and how he said it. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Amen. We press on. Because our Lord was triumphant. And because he was triumphant even over the grave, because he's ascended in his human glorified body, Still, somebody said recently, and I thought that blew me away, that his body, your body is going to be perfected when you enter into that great kingdom. But the Lord's body, the Lord of all, will still be marred. Because he was marred for you and me. And even in his glorified body, he still carried the wounds to show us what he went through for us. And your, your body and my body will be glorified and he's the one that even in eternity, he will still be wounded for us. It's amazing when you think about it, what Christ has done for us. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. You know, there's going to come a day when he is indeed now, he's at the right hand of the Father, ascended there. He is Lord of all. But there's going to come a day that every eye will see and everyone will know that he is Lord. I pray you know now. I pray your loved ones would know now. You're not going to have to wait for that day when it's too late. Can you imagine on that day when you find out it's too late? When you find out that everything that someone told you all your life was true and real and you turned your back on him and you didn't want nothing to do with faith. And that day every eye will be open and every eye will see and every knee will bow because he is Lord, my friend. And he is Lord over Canada. He has dominion to see the city. So that should give us power today when we face battles, when we're going through opposition for sharing the good news. Now here's the exciting part of this passage. I love some of the stories of God's word that I just get immediately telling and get me excited. They prayed. They prayed for courage and boldness. And so we see this here. Now, notice that I told you that they prayed for boldness. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word and with great boldness. Guess what else they prayed for? Verse 30. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they're praying for conviction and boldness and strength, and they're praying for signs and wonders and healing. Isn't that great stuff? That's how we should be praying as the church. 
You would have thought that Peter and John shared about their imprisonment and the threats from these powerful religious leaders, that there would be great worry and sadness that would come over the whole crowd. Oh no, what are we going to do? Did they go out with placards in front of the Jewish temple? What they did was they turned to God. And they turned to prayer. That's what we need to do, my friends, in days like these. We need to turn to God. And we need to believe in the power of prayer. Surprisingly, they did not pray for God to judge and punish those who were trying to intimidate and silence them. But for strength to endure and courage to continue sharing the good news of Jesus. No matter what the personal sacrifice or cost. They didn't pray, please, Lord, cause them to die horribly. <laughs> they didn't pray, please stop them from being so unkind and unpleasant to me. They didn't pray, Lord, let this persecution stop or even convert these authorities. They didn't pray any of that. What they prayed was, Lord, look at their threats and enable your servants. The church needs to learn in every generation what it means to pray with confidence like this. They ask for God's power. And my friends, this is the exciting part, that the result was the gift of the Holy Spirit. I just love this, that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was what? Shaken. It's a new Pentecost. It's a fresh outpouring and filling. Isn't it amazing that you don't just get one Pentecost in your life? Hallelujah. Praise God, I don't think I'd make it. But though I had one in filling and I had to, <laughs> of the Holy Spirit, and had to base my whole Christian walk on that. God help me if that was the case. Praise God, I can go to Him today and He can give me a fresh in filling and a fresh empowerment with His Holy Spirit. And my friends, that's why the Holy Spirit has been given. That you might have the power to share the good news with others, to be His witnesses. And so the place was shaken, and they were all, not just a few, all filled with the Holy Spirit. What's it look like when a five-year-old is filled with the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. What's it look like when a 95-year-old is filled with the Holy Spirit? All were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And so God answered their prayers. They kept on speaking with boldness. See, there was no shrinking back or stopping. They had a task to do. They were ushering in God's kingdom and realizing it was like, you know, on a Salvation Army girl raise onward Christian soldiers. You know, like we sometimes need to get that vision that we are this army of God ushering in against the forces of darkness, ushering in the kingdom of God. We've got a task to do, my friend. West Prince is dependent upon us and our other believers of other churches in West Prince. There will be no saving of West Prince if we're not about the master's business. Amen. We all need to be doing our part. And it's scary stuff sometimes. But where do we turn to? We turn to God and we turn to prayer and we ask for power and empowerment and strength. And we ask the Lord again to do signs and wonders. I, I love the news to come up to West Prince 
with their microphone and say, well, how did that happen? God? How did that person get healed? God? It was God. We prayed. God did it. Wouldn't that be something? I think it would be. I think it would be newsworthy. When God starts doing 5,000 coming to faith in one day, that would be newsworthy. We can pray that we don't do it. We can't whip that up. We can't make that happen. Christians in the West have been trying for a while. Oh, let's try this program. Let's try that program. If we put some money into this, if we do that, that's going to fill the church. No, my friends. We can see it doesn't work. I've been as a pastor, they've sent me to so many conferences. Oh, God have mercy. It's right here, very simple in this word. It's about prayer. It's about turning back to God. It's about asking for strength, empowerment, the Holy Spirit. Boldness, not brashness. Notice the difference? There's a difference. I've met a lot of brash Christians that repel people. That people go the opposite direction when they enter a room. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about crashes. We're talking about a boldness. For too long, the church in North America, in the West, we're cowering in front of others. God is wanting us to get our shoulders back and our heads up high because we have the truth that will set people free. And it's time for us to start sharing it again boldly with people. But we can only do that if we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by God. You do more damage sometimes to the kingdom if you're doing it in the flesh. A lot better. And so maybe a lot of it is God's going to send you to your knees to pray up before you say anything. Pray for them. Weep over their souls before you say a word to them. That's a powerful statement. God won't answer 100% of the prayers if we don't pray. That's it. That's a guaranteed number. It's so important for us as the Church of Jesus Christ to be praying as I bring this message to a close. Around the world today, one in seven Christians are experiencing persecution. One in seven. Think about the numbers that are in here today. If you went through and counted six people and then that seventh person would be the person suffering persecution. What would we do as a church today? Oh, it would change the way you do church. It would change the way you do church. It would change the way you do church if your pastor was put in prison for sharing the gospel. You find a church that would be praying a lot more for their pastor, the missionaries, and others. I like what N.T. Wright said. N.T. Wright said, We don't go looking for persecution. But when it comes, in whatever form, it certainly concentrates the mind, sends us back to the scriptures, and casts us on God's mercy and power. The church needs again and again the sense of God's powerful presence, shaking us up, blowing away the cobwebs, filling us with the Spirit, and giving us that same boldness. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. This was a story recently that really spoke to me. We're going to have a closing prayer in a moment. I'm going to have you stand with me and we'll pray together. But the evangelist, I don't know if some of you heard the great evangelist D.L. Moody. <clears throat> and this might be encouragement to some of you that have been praying for years. Throughout his life, D.L. Moody kept a list of a hundred people. A hundred people he knew who weren't Christians. And he prayed for them every single day, that hundred names. 
When one chose to follow Jesus, Moody would tick them off his list and continue persistently praying for the rest. On the day that he died, 96 became Christians of that hundred that he had prayed for. And incredibly, at his funeral, the final four came. Isn't that something? God won't answer 100% of the prayers we don't pray. It was D.L. Moody who said that every great movement of God, again, can be traced to a kneeling figure, to someone who would take the time to pray. Stand with me as we say this closing prayer for us today. We're going to then sing our closing song. I'm going to invite you to come and pray if you want to pray. Maybe you want to pray for Edward and that mission trip, NCM. Maybe you want to pray for the missionaries. Maybe you want to pray for yourself for boldness. Maybe you want to pray for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your neighbors, the community of West Prince. But if God is leading, not because I said so, but if the Holy Spirit is leading you to come and pray, I invite you to do this at this closing song. And then I'll just close off the service with a little information on faith promise. <clears throat> Let's pray this together. Jesus, I struggle to persist in prayer because I forget how essential it is for people to know you. Bring home to me the urgency of your mission. Help me to grow in sincerity and spiritual stamina. Make me courageous and bold, I pray. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen, Amen and Amen. <laughs>